We stay together, we survive. What we've got here is failure to communicate. Stick together. In the name of unit cohesion. Cohesion. You are listening to the Cohesion Podcast. Actionable tips from internal comms leaders on how to improve your company's employee experience. This episode features an interview with Tina Hawkins, Senior Director of Internal Communications at the MBA. Tina partners with business leaders to enhance employee performance through change management with a focus on workplace experience. In this episode, Amanda and Tina discuss aligning values externally and internally, keeping communication casual, and how to hold space for employees and leaders to have critical conversations. Before we dive into the interview, here's a brief word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Simpler, the modern intranet software that simplifies the employee experience. If you are looking to increase employee engagement, collaboration, and connectivity, Simpler is your answer. Learn more at simpler.com. Without further ado, please enjoy this conversation between Tina Hawkins, Senior Director of Internal Communications at the MBA, and your host, Amanda Berry, Corporate Brand and Communications Manager at Simpler. Tina, how are you today? I'm doing great. Thank you. I want to first start off and learn a little bit more about your background. Can you talk about your career journey and how you became interested in internal communications? Sure. Well, I have always been a storyteller. So, you know, it started early. I was the editor of high school yearbook, college newspaper, all of those things. And after college, I was a teacher. I was an English teacher. And during the summertime, I would work in the district office putting together their marketing materials. So like the reports of how the district did for the past year, what's coming up for the upcoming year. So that involved, you know, using what was called PageMaker at the time. Uh, I think, you know, Adobe bought them and it ended up spinning off into different products, but creating, you know, all these sort of glossy brochures and these uh, messages to market the district. And based on that work, I met, you know, a lot of different like PR firms and got exposed to that world. And at that time, I discovered there was a master's degree I could get called technical communication. So this will kind of age me because it was about communicating using technology. So how to communicate on the Internet, how to do effective emails, things of that nature. So it was all about communicating electronically, which was, you know, new at the time. And I was in the first graduating class with that. And I went to a startup software company built their first intranet, and the path launched from there. Talk about your current role as the Senior Director of Internal Communications at the NBA. Now, obviously, the NBA is really well known around the world. Even if people don't watch the NBA, they still know what the NBA is. Can you talk about what you do and how you got this opportunity? Yeah, so I help the NBA navigate the emotional and behavioral component of employee engagement. And what does employee engagement mean? It's not just like the feeling of belonging, but it's also performance. So I'm responsible for the people communications. I do employee engagement and change management as well. So I translate the value of benefits and programs, um, and I introduce initiatives to employees and help them manage change. 
And the way I got the position, I worked for a couple of decades in consulting. So I did change management, engagement, and communication consulting, um, starting with Deloitte. Uh, That's where I went after the startup that I mentioned earlier. And I also worked for Mercer, just human resource consulting. So after that, I launched my own consulting firm. And as a part of my regular practice, I would reach out and network with people. And I reached out to someone, you know, a colleague I'd worked with before, and he told me he was now the CHRO of the NBA. So I was really excited for him. He was a former college basketball player. So it was like a dream job for him. I come from a basketball family. I was born in Indiana, you know, grew up near Chicago. And then I went to high school and college in Texas. So basketball, you know, was sort of a part of my life. My dad and my brother, like the at the table, all the conversations are around basketball. So it was, you know, it was fun and, and stay in contact with him. And he was like, hey, can we be your client? I was like, sure, you know, let's talk about what you need. I'll put together something for you. And he's like, no, we want to be your only client. And so we talked for several months because I was like, I don't see how you would need that much from me. I'm not sure I can, you know, that you can just be my only client. But it turned out the organization, you know, as it grew, it's less of a family and like, you know, a paternalistic organization. It's a more of a global organization. They were bringing on different skill sets, you know, as, as things advanced. And so there was a lot that they needed to bring to employees. They needed to engage a whole different set of employees, like technology employees wasn't something you'd think about for the NBA, but that's a big component for us. And so there was enough to do in terms of change management and communication, and it became a great fit. I have some follow-up questions to that, but first I'm gonna move us into our first segment called Getting Tactical. I'm trying to figure out tactics. And to be perfectly honest, I didn't have to worry about tactics too much. Here I am in charge and trying to say, why did you sleep through tactics? Tactics. You mentioned employees at MBA and the different kinds of employees. Can you break down who the internal audience is? Does that include employees for, let's say, example, the Milwaukee Bucks? Can you just give us an overview of what you mean by employees for the MBA? Sure. That's a really great question. And definitely one of my first questions, too, when I first encountered this opportunity. But our core audience is NBA employees around the world. We have 14 offices. The largest is New York, New Jersey, London, and Beijing. And these employees, you know, support streaming, uh, live entertainment and games, emerging technology, law, marketing, security, and so on. So for the most part, that does not include NBA players, but it does include referees and players from some other leagues like our NBA 2K League and our G League. So all the, those would be a part of who I communicate to. When it comes to the teams, the teams are independent organizations. So each team is a separate entity. But we do share our communication with business leaders at the teams because often they want to leverage them because they have, you know, similar employees and there's an employee experience they're trying to provide. So we do a lot of collaboration with the teams and then reach those team employees as well. How many employees do you communicate to as being a part of the NBA? Just that initial core group, not so much about the teams. Right. So the initial core group is a little over 2,000. Okay. You said uh, UK, New York, Beijing. I'd imagine it's you got to get them all aligned around mission, vision, statement, what's going on. And I would guess part of your role is, you know, working with external comms or marketing to translating what's going on sort of in that corporate office, what's our vision, mission. And I know you all just recently revamped your mission statement. How did you get everyone aligned in this very global company? So I sit in what's called people and inclusion, which is also known as HR. 
And we also have a separate like communications department, which would include some internal communication as well, but also external communication, things like PR. Then there's also a marketing department that drives many of our messages. And then there's social responsibility and player programs, which things like junior NBA, like that. So that drives a lot of our messages as well, because that's our work in the community. So my first goal is to stay in lockstep with those colleagues to help influence the messaging and also get some insight into what I need to prepare our employees for in terms of those messages and so that we're doing things alongside each other. But so our NBA leadership team meets regularly and one of those discussions is always communication. And so the chief people and inclusion officer sits in those meetings and will bring back those emerging topics to all of those teams that I just mentioned so that we're all sort of in lockstep with what the messages are. So in terms of how we rolled out our new mission, so it's less than a year old. So that rollout is still underway. And when we initially rolled it out, we did it internally first. So although it's being, you know, seen now externally, the rollout happened first internally. What we did was we connected the new mission to our OKRs. So we sort of rolled out, here's our mission. And then, you know, the next thing was we revised these values and here's how. And here's our OKRs and how they're connected. So like how we want to do what our goals are, how it connects to this mission and value that we have. The rollout was from leadership. Um, It also involved like a roadshow for marketing. And we embedded in everything that we do. So, for example, in our corporate PowerPoint template, which people use, you know, anytime they're putting together a deck, the very first slide is our mission and values. And so in any discussion, the first topic should be how is what we're about to talk about connect to our mission and values? Another example, we talk about workplace flexibility. We talk about where people work tie into our values. So one of our values is create community. So if we're talking about workplace flexibility, how does that tie into what we say we want to do with creating community? Same thing with innovate, with intention. That's one of our values. So when we're talking about workplace flexibility, how does innovation look different now that we have hybrid employees and now that we have more remote employees? Um, Another example is be the fan. As a part of being the fan, you know, we want to make sure people have the opportunity to actually see our game. So how do we still offer that when people work remotely? So those are some of the conversations that we have. So we try to embed it into everything. And our next stage, I mentioned this, this one was sort of top down from leadership. The stage we're moving into now is bottom up. So how do we get employees more involved? And so we're working through having employees help us define what behaviors attach to each each of those values. What does it look like? How does it show up? So are you starting to get some of that bottom up back in now to demonstrate what the mission and vision and values look like in practice? Yes. So we did the initial rollout so that everyone understood here's what they are. We started embedding and making the connections. And so the connections happen naturally based on the work that we do, who our audience is, you know, our goals, but the other piece is employees. So how does that show up for them? And so now we're getting the employee feedback and, you know, working with employees on activities to have them start defining those behaviors. And that rolls into our next stage. I'm going to move into the next segment called Ripped from the Headlines. You hear the news? Extra, extra, read all about it. Our stories from the headlines. Ripped from the headlines. Because I want to tie a conversation back to the values you said, but I want to be honest, there are three things I love about the NBA. The sport itself, it's fun to watch. 
Two is Giannis from Milwaukee. He's just a fantastic player. Third is the NBA's willingness to hold space for tough conversations about important topics like social and racial equality. I assume you're having those conversations as well. Is that correct? That is correct. Social impact is part of the DNA of our league. Yeah, it feels very much like it's tied back to your values of community and intention. I love that because that's actually seeing it in practice. I want to ask, why do you think these conversations, these tougher conversations are important to have in the workplace? I can connect it directly to to one of the values, as you assumed we definitely could. So let me just read sort of the expanded of what we mean by create community. Basketball is inherently inclusive. Anyone can play it. The diversity in people, background, and experience is central to our success. So that's foundational for us. So we believe in the power of sports to be able to create connections with people, different cultures and backgrounds. And in order to do that, you know, of course, internally, we have to be willing to have those conversations that help make that possible. If you don't mind kind of opening your playbook, because again, I think you all do this very well and just sort of talk about like, how do you do this? How do you work with leaders? Let's start with that. Like, how do you work with leaders to bring them along or bring them into the conversation before you even go to employees? So I think for leaders that we do make sure for any conversation that needs to happen or for any initiative we're rolling out even, we make sure that they are prepped first. So I mentioned that we have those, you know, leadership meetings, they happen frequently. And that is a topic that they have in there. And we, from there, figure out what are our key messages. And then they cascade that to leadership. But one of the things is that our leaders have to be prepared to support messages, but we also go directly to employees. So one of the things that we do to create a safe space so employees can share their opinions or have conversations about their opinions, and it's really in support of our leadership and our you know, people managers as well, is we hold community conversations. And so there are forums for having critical conversations. Sometimes they can involve like an expert presentation, you know, or maybe leadership messages. But a core component is really the ability to speak on our concerns. So that could be through, you know, maybe there's a message at the front, you know, from a leader. Hey, we see this just happened. Here's our thoughts. Here's what we're doing. That can open the floor and conversation happens and employees speak up. Or we can have facilitated breakout groups. We've done this both in person and virtually. So not only you know do employees speak up, but they do it in real time. So there have been events that occurred and the community conversations the very next day. So when it comes to leaders, like they're not on their own. They don't have to have a list of talking points that they're shakily, you know, <laughs> you know, reading in the next staff meeting. We open it up as an organization and, and, you know, the message can come top down. Hey, we know this is happening. Here's how it affects us. Here's what we're doing. Here's your opportunity to, you know, either ask questions or to talk about it more. And then, of course, before that message has gone out, we give people managers some talking points so that they're ready to support it. We let them know about resources they can offer employees and so on. But we really open it up so, you know, to speak directly to employees so the managers aren't just like, you know, we don't just dump it on them and let them go on their own. Yeah. How is the employee engagement in those community conversations? It is surprisingly good. I know in some of them, I... 
was surprised at how people are willing to speak up. And sometimes that's even sort of with an opposing opinion. Like, I I don't understand why we're doing this or I don't live like this. So why are we having this conversation? Or, you know, like people are willing to say how they really feel. And I think we've got, you know, a great network where those conversations are managed in a way where people can feel heard, but also at the same time can't be abusive in any way. You're welcome to share an opinion, but then here's what we believe and here's how we are proceeding. And we can, you know, further discuss if we need to or, you know, whatever the message needs to be. But people are very much willing to speak up. And actually, it shouldn't have surprised me because when I joined the NBA, one of the first things was a town hall, you know, with the commissioner and employees can submit questions to town halls and they can do it in real time and they can also submit it in advance. And one of the questions was about whether the frozen yogurt was actually ice cream. <laughs> and I was thinking, who would, The hot who topic would, of the day. <laughs> right, who would ask the commissioner that? But so then I was like, okay, this is a different kind of organization. Like people ask what's on their mind and there is a forum for each type of question or concern. I guess that's an interesting thought that they were asking about the frozen yogurt slash ice cream. The comfortability to put that on, let's say, like the commissioner and say, hey, is it? (laughs) And expects, you know, them to answer it. Right. So I was like, okay, so I guess he's, you know, involved in every aspect because that's not a question you think to ask, you know, someone that level. But yeah, people, people are not afraid. And we, you know, have opportunities for people to, to provide, you know, submit feedback. We do engagement surveys where people can give feedback. So people are used to speaking their mind. Do you make sure you continue to follow up? And I know you talked about getting feedback and asking questions. Is this an ongoing opportunity for this conversation to continue within the MBA? What does that look like? It is. And it also depends on what the issue is. Sometimes it can be a one and done, but other times it spins into something else. So for example, in 2020, we were mostly working virtually and there were like, you know, the George Floyd protests and other social justice movements and so on. And so we had several community conversations and that actually ended up based on the employee investment, you know, and that as a topic and what people were willing to do. And we turned it into a foundation. You know, at first it was, here's what we're doing. And it would be like an email that kept providing updates and, you know, when the next community conversation was, but it was a big enough thing that we created and launched a foundation. And now there are employees who work for that. And there are ways that you can get involved in that. I mean, here more recently with when the Roe versus Wade decision was released, we had an immediate community conversation. This one was sort of from an expert in the field. So there wasn't as much opportunity for people to have conversations, you know, amongst themselves. And we also had some thinking like, is that the kind of issue, you know, where the breakout groups for conversations are, you know, warranted or the same. But we did do a follow up several weeks later where there was another community conversation with the opportunity to have breakout groups. And there have been additional, okay, here's what we're doing, you know, to support employees. There have been additional follow-up messages. So most of the time, it's not a one and done. There are additional things that happen as a result. And a lot of that comes from employees. It's employees who are emailing us saying, hey, I want to talk about this, or what are we going to do about this? Or what are our thoughts about this? And we have employee resource groups. So, you know, there's like the Women's Network. There's the Dream in Color, which is the Black and African-American network and so on. And so they'll come together and then say, hey, you know, can we have Adam speak to this or whatever the request is? And so things, you know, move forward that way. 
Yeah, that's that's awesome. That's so great to hear. I'm envious. You know, I, I've worked at companies when something big happens and it may take a week to respond. So to hear the MBA is turning that around in a day, that's incredible. And it's really impactful because when, like George Floyd, when, when those things happen in the moment, you know, the motions are incredibly raw immediately. And to have that have leaders immediately speak out and say, we're coming together. And it sounds like it's like leaders are interested in doing it, employees are interested, so that makes it happen. I'm thinking about our listeners who maybe want to implement something similar. Is there a way that you're helping leaders, if they're not doing it today, like push them toward like, we need to speak to this, that why this is important? Is there something you're doing differently? It sounds like you have just like this incredible recipe of good leaders, good employees, and then you in there as well. Is there something that listeners can do to help bring their leaders into these conversations and talk about the importance of why they should be having them? So, you know, I have to say we have many great examples of where it did happen in a day, but it's not always, you know, so there's still work for us to do. I think there have been some major thing that happened and we were able to pivot and get it done in a day. But there are times where maybe we should have addressed something and we didn't. And so we actually have been looking at how can we create like a quadrant where we can get this out to leaders very quickly, even if we're not having in some kind of immediate event, like to, you know, make sure that they're supported. So that is one piece of advice that I would suggest and one that we're trying to follow right now as we, you know, further develop our process because things happen so quickly. And if you try to respond to everything, you're you know, not going to be able to get any work done. So we need a bit of like a triage where we say, okay, let's evaluate what happened. And so we're envisioning something that's kind of like a four quadrant thing where it's like, okay, what's the issue? Who is it impacting? How does it impact us? What do we want our employees to know? What do we plan to to do, which leader is sort of going to be like the voice of this issue, which resources are available to employees that are related and to help them deal with this. And so that could be like a one pager that goes out to all of leadership to help them if they're in, you know, a staff meeting, they're seeing people seem like a day school or something they're like, hey, what's going on? And this was on people's mind. Here's how you could facilitate a conversation if you needed to. So that's not something that we have right now, but it's something that I'm developing and I have talked to, you know, some other communication practitioners about, hey, we've done a good job on some of these things, but I feel like some stuff is falling through the cracks. What else could we do? And so this, I think, is the direction we'll be going in, that that would be something that would be really helpful for organizations where they're not used to having these open conversations. And you have to now convince leaders. It's about well-being, you know, employees' well-being as far as their emotional well-being. But it's also about performance, because if you're not in a good place, you're worried about something that's happening in a world event or a cause that you care about that can affect your performance. And so even for those leaders who aren't necessarily thinking about how people feel, they are thinking about performance. So if you sort of figure out a way to balance messaging to help them understand, then that should be pretty effective. You'd mentioned, you know, so you're still working on your strategy, which I love. I think it's fantastic. What are some don'ts? What are some things to avoid for our listeners out there when setting up these conversations? I would say before you speak to the public, um, speak to your employees. So I understand that most of the time when you're developing messages, whether it's, you know, a statement that the company is going to release or a tweet that you plan to publish to make sure that employees get that information first because they are the representative of the company and have to support it. And there's nothing like 
you know, a statement being released that you know nothing about and you get that phone call from a partner or something asking you to speak on it. It just puts you, you know, in a difficult situation. It also doesn't have that feeling of belonging. Like I work here, I need to get behind this. So I need to know what we're saying. Um, So that'd be one thing, whether it's an issue, a celebration, achievement, aim to communicate with employees first before you release something externally. Also providing employees with an option to hear directly from leadership. So I think when it comes to things like town halls, you know, those are kind of come in and out of favor, but the opportunity to hear things directly from leadership, along with the opportunity to be able to engage as far as asking questions or even interacting are really important. And that's important, not just once a year with the earnings, you know, report or, you know, something like that, but on a regular basis. So even if you now do casual leadership videos, you know, short leadership videos, that can be effective, but always offer an option for people to ask questions and for them to hear their question from that leader. Like even if there's not like a town hall where you're sort of going live, there's other ways that you can make sure people are hearing from leadership. And I would say the other thing as far as uh, something you can do is to make sure that what's being said externally aligns with what employees are experiencing internally. So I mentioned it's important that employees see the messages first or understand the position or what you plan to say first. But not only that, it should align with what they're experiencing, too. So, for example, you know, a couple of years ago, we had a campaign around mental health and mental well-being. And we had some spots from some of our players and there was probably hashtag. So if we have that feature where we're saying the NBA focuses on mental health and supports mental health, we have to offer that focus internally as well. So we want to make sure it's not just communication, but it's also involvement from the other functions. So like what's going on with our benefits? Does that align? Do we need more messaging around that so that they know what's available? Are we offering the types of benefits that we're talking about? We say that we're offering, you know, when we're saying it to the public. So those are, I think, three things to keep in mind. Let me ask you about that, because I know with your role being focused on internal communications, you mentioned the working align and lining closely with external communications on, on any topic. And I think that that's a good call out because I think sometimes internal, external can be, well, they are usually pretty separate and they're different islands. And sometimes there's not a lot of great communication between them. You talk about your relationship with external marketing, external communications, and how you're making sure that you're both on the same, how, how both groups are making sure that you're sending the same message internally and then externally? So I think the key to that is that the leadership meetings where the leaders of those groups are sitting at the table together. And so when it gets filtered down to me and I hear, here's what we talked about in the leadership meeting, then that's when I know, oh, there's something going on with this topic. And then I know to go to my colleagues in marketing or social responsibility or whichever topic is related. I'd like to see it to us get to a place where we're having that conversation naturally. And sometimes it does happen, but when it doesn't, it's that what are the leaders talking about and saying we're concentrating on? And then I take the initiative to, hey, I heard about this. What's going on with this project? I also look at anything that's sort of posted on the intranet, which our intranet is called home court. But sometimes, you know, departments will say what they're working on. And for example, you know, let's say a department says, hey, we're working on something related to virtual reality. I will reach out to them to learn more about it 
so that I'm, my wheels are already turning and thinking about how could I offer that internally? So even though there's no reason for us to be aligned just yet, it's already on my radar, on my roadmap that, hey, can we offer that in new orientation? Like, you know, how's there a way that I can leverage what they're doing with VR? So I would say as an internal communication person, just keeping my eye on what other people are talking about and what other people are doing and just sort of asking more questions about it helps me stay on top of, okay, employees may need to know that or employees may need to use that. I do get surprised though, sometimes where, you know, something new is released and it's sort of like a backpedal where it's like, okay, so this is what we're doing. All right, let's now figure out how we can align. And so we fix those things when we have to. I'm going to move to our next segment, asking for a friend. I was asking for a friend. Hey, asking for a friend. You have a great career. You work for the NBA. They had a great organization. You clearly are killing it at that job. But I want to know, do you have any advice for a new internal communications practitioner who doesn't really know where to start when working with leaders, making sure that you're brought into the loop and getting a seat at the table? What advice would you give to someone who wants a seat at the table and doesn't know how to get in? So this might sound odd coming from a communication professional, but don't concentrate too much on the writing. Like don't overemphasize the writing. Things like the wordsmithing, the grammar, et cetera, like that's table stakes. It's the strategic thinking that's the most important. What are we trying to achieve with this message or with this initiative or with what we're doing? What's the best way to reach people? How can we do something that'll have the most impact and influence? You know, in terms of our career security, like everyone in the room with a degree, and even if they don't have one, think they're a writer. You know, I wrote all those text messages or I write emails all day. Like, so they don't really see necessarily a reason for you to be there if you're just there, you know, saying, should we use a serial comma or not? Like, I understand why we discuss those things, but let's just do that in our rooms. Let's sort of have our gaze go a little bigger and our value is more connected to influence than the words. So as communicators, we know there's a big difference with, you know, how you may choose to position something based on the wording and everything that we're using, but not enough people do. And not enough people see, oh, that did make a difference. Or changing up that headline did get us more engagement on that email. Like metrics can be our friend. And then personally, I try to concentrate on the business and connect with business leaders and, you know, understand our goals and where we're trying to go and what you want employees to do, like what behavior changes we need from employees. And then I find a grammarian somewhere, you know, on the team that I sort of have on Slack where I'm like, hey, does this sentence need this or that? Like, I don't spend the time like to look it up or to remember all of this so that I can spend the time on the things that make them want to invite me to the room. So I have people I'll call like my comma coach. You know, I'm like, I don't know. I'm pretty sure I could think through this to figure out this needs a comma, but what do you think? And they love it, so they're fine with like, yep, that needs one or no, out of here, you know. But that's not what I'm in the room to talk about. I love that. Focus on things that makes them want you in the room. I think that's such an important lesson because I was as you were talking and listening to you and I'm thinking like, oh yeah, how many times have, you know, internal comments folks get stuck like just making PowerPoint slides, you know, and that, that level of detail. And I think that that's such a great lesson to take from them. Mm-hmm. And how about when they come in with those slides that people look at and they're like, 
I think it should be blue. It's always blue, right? I think it should be blue. And it's like, I just labored over all those words and all of that. And that's the feedback. Like, that's what happens to us. Like, I think sometimes, you know, what we bring is undervalued. So let's find what is valued and how does that connect with what we're really great at? Yeah, that's a great call out. Do you have any other pieces of advice, stories you'd love to share that maybe we haven't covered today? I I feel like you've got a lot of great stories and and very focused ways of thinking about internal comms. So if there's anything else you want to share with our listeners, I'd love to hear it. Yeah, I think we're all, you know, internal communication professionals. And I think communication is becoming more and more casual, which, you know, means a couple of things to us. One is that we have to stay flexible and constantly find, you know, new ways to reach employees. I think some ways that we reach employees have been the same for a while. It's interesting because I had speaking engagement and I sent like an outline of what we plan to do. And they're like, well, I don't know why you're talking about email. Like that's been around forever. And it's like, Yeah, but that's still what a lot of organizations, you know, use primarily. How has email changed, though? It's changed a lot. Like if you're still sending paragraphs, you're not changing. Like you need to switch it up and do bullet lists that are just phrases. Like that's where we are now. So just remaining flexible. And even if it's, you know, the typical format, how do you need to change it to reach people? I think another part of that is realizing that Non-professionals are now a part of our competition. So bloggers, influencers even, offshore writing companies reach out to me, you know, on a daily with, hey, we'll, you know, write these stories and this and that. There's so many people that are offering a way to get messaging quicker or to get messaging out there. And so, of course, we look at it and we're like, okay, this is an influencer. Yeah, that's cute. And I enjoy that when I'm on Instagram or TikTok. But what does that have to do with what I'm doing? Well, no, there's somebody who, you know, in another department who can be convinced. They're like, oh, this person, they have a lot of people following them. And this is what we're going to do with that budget instead. And so then now you're out of the loop, you know, so you just have to be aware that it's the people who are carrying messages now are not just communication professionals. Um, So just staying abreast of that and being willing to constantly change and flex in a way that, you know, is good for your career. You're getting to learn new things, but also you're keeping employees engaged and working at the NBA. I mean, our media is amazing. These people are creating amazing photos, videos, um, you know, social media campaigns. And here I am with a message on our 401k match. Like, how am I, how are these people, this stuff they've created, I can't go to them with an email, you know what I mean? Like in the email with three paragraphs on what's going on. So yeah, yeah benefits have, changes or something. Yeah. Benefits or something like there is time to do your performance goals. You know, like we have to do it in a different way. And I get a lot of pushback sometimes. People are like, this is not a sentence. It's like, yeah, I don't want it to be a sentence. Yeah. No, <laughs> um, I, I think that that's a good call. Like communicate, like, writing internal communications has gone and I've seen it from pretty formal to like really informal and I kind of dig it but that transition has been hard it's hard and and I work at a company that has a ton of lawyers and so when I send things around they're changing it to sentences and so I don't always get there and I definitely want to see us get you know more and more casual but that is you know definitely what I encourage everybody to do like and I think it's hard for us as communication professionals because we're used to doing things a certain way and that's what's made us great and I just think that we have to be willing to flex that 
Yeah. Take the risk. Try it. Be creative. I agree. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Tina, this has been so much fun. Big fan of yours. Big fan of the NBA. Before I let you go, will you let our listeners know where they can find you? Yes, I am on LinkedIn. So under Tina Hawkins, National Basketball Association, and I live in New York City. Thank you so, so much for joining me today, Tina. This has been great. It was great to be here and uh, it was a fun conversation and you made me think through some things too. So it's been great. Thank you. Thanks, Tina. Thank you again for listening to this episode of the Cohesion Podcast brought to you by Simpler the modern intranet software that simplifies the employee experience. Learn more about how Simpler can help you build the future of your employee experience at simpler.com. That's S-I-M-P-P-L-R.com. To all of our listeners out there, thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed this episode and want to hear more, make sure to hit subscribe, leave a review, and head over to www.simpler.com slash podcast for more information. Until next time, you're listening to The Cohesion Podcast, brought to you by Simpler. See you in the next episode.